Welcome to the Tech Talk Show, an hour of news, views and discussion. Well, welcome to the show. We've got a special show today, Dan, haven't we? It is a bit special. It is a bit special. We've got a guest presenter, Francois Mazoudier, is here. And Francois is from uh, Tomorrow, which is the tech hub in Croydon. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's great to have you along. And uh, we're going to talk about lots and lots of things around uh, Tomorrow. First, though, we've Mm -hmm. got a couple of news stories. And I've got a great news story. I've really made me laugh this. Somebody hacked a local council's Twitter feed. So uh, it's Medway Council, and somebody hacked it. And the first thing they said is, uh, first policy, this was put out on Twitter, free council tax for all. You won't need to pay any more starting now. That was the first tweet. The second tweet was, you can park wherever you want, no more parking tickets, which I thought was, I'm with that. So, (laughs) Francois, for me... I'm going to say shops, if I was, if I hacked a council website, I'd say, right, shops can open whenever they like, Sunday, Sunday night, anytime, because if I want to go and get something and shop, I want to be able to get it. So, Francois, if you were hacking the council website, what would be your first decree, do you think? Oh, good question. Um, uh, the first decree, if I uh, hacked the council's Twitter account, yeah, I think it would... Um, Force for free travel. Otherwise, okay. you know, Croydon has been at the centre of a, a bit of a mass hysteria in the <laughs> in the news with Southern Rail yes. wrecking havoc. Yeah. Um, okay. And you know, Croydon is a fantastic place, but if you can't get to it, then obviously it defeats the purpose. Right. Okay. So free travel, Dan. What would you go for? Um, I'd probably try something a bit more surreal and suggest that the council's leaving the UK and joining Canada or. Oh, yeah, that's like a, that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to change the, yeah. which side of the road you drive. Yeah, on, okay. Like so you could say, like, Surrey County Council is now affiliated with Canada yeah. and not England. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. Anyway, <laughs> on the Twitter feed, they said, um, yeah, Medway Council Twitter feed has been taken over by the citizens of Medway. They're also <laughs> going to, uh, yeah, basically scrap some of the festivals that the council have put on. Oh, right. That sounds yeah. like a good idea. <laughs> and introduce decent schools. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, introduce them. Yeah, yeah, that's what it said. So yeah, I reckon Amazing we should have do with a Twitter account. Yeah, 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 and it's done. It's done. It's tweeted it's and said, it's, it's done. done. So yeah, Dan, what have you got news wise? So we've um, we've mentioned a few times on the show about um, encouraging sort of um, ch- uh, take up within schools and, and children about you know uh, technology and and learning to code. So um, Microsoft has um, released an education version of Minecraft. And within that, there's going to be some um, additional tools to allow them to code on the platform. Fantastic. So they'll be able to um, use um, various sort of um, different coding platforms, Tinker, ScratchX, and MakeCode, to build, move, and create in the world of Minecraft, and allowing them to program tools such as block digging robots, whatever they might be. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's really important to encourage young people into coding as early as possible. For, for sure, for sure. And I, I mean, I think the world of uh, coding has changed massively you know, compared yeah. to the, the old ways that uh, I, was, uh, I was in. Uh, the, I saw today, actually, that there's the new... A Danish startup that has built a code your own candy, and it then gets pushed into a little machine that prints and makes your candy, and it's in the wow. shape of Minecraft. Minecraft really? cubes. It's genius. <laughs> really? The kids it are the kids love it. Yeah, because they make their own world. You can make a mini castle with holes inside. Yeah. It's kind of a three D mm. printer, but it yep. prints. Yeah. 
Kendi. Well, we had a really wow. good guest on the show a little while ago. Who it's called Mama Codes, isn't mm. it? And they've they've actually developed for three to seven year olds, actually learning packages for coding as young as three to five years old. So I think it's fantastic. It's fascinating. And it, the broader the broader entry into that is really important. So great. We all think of coding as, you know, boring lines of code nobody yeah. understands and kind of languages and we think it's very boring. But actually the new technologies coming out are outstanding. It's more about breaking down the problem into four or five components yep. and then fixing them. The way that kids learn how to program now is semi-automated. <clears throat> so you actually don't have to uh, code and type code you know, no. on your keyboard. You just dra drag an object. Scratch is a good example of that. You drag a little mm. fish. You have an aquarium to get started with. You drag a little fish, and then you right-click it and say, if something touches it, move it by five pixels yeah. to the right or bump it or do things. Absolutely. So it's the logic that is important, not yeah. the coding itself. Well, funny enough, yeah, and that's I worked on a few projects. One was actually a, a staff rostering system, and it was the logic about if that happens with an employee, this, this, and this happens. And it's, the, it's actually the logic and logically looking at what happens next that is the key to the coding, not the actual code, isn't Correct. it? Correct. That's right. Mm. So We'll yeah. have one of those at tomorrow. So yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, we did speak to... Uh, Rota Ready? Yeah, Rota Ready oh, at, right. at tomorrow. So that leads us into tomorrow. So mm. tell us a little bit about what tomorrow is and how you came to, to set it up. Great. So tomorrow is South London's largest tech hub. We are. It's a space on the high street, so it's kind of a mixed-use space, which is unusual for most hubs. Yep. The first part is the most visible part will be a cafe called the Byte Cafe, ha-ha, B-Y-T-E. -ha. Yep. <laughs> and um, the Byte Cafe is a uh, almost a 1,000 square feet cafe. It's very funky, very untech, very warm and friendly, yep. More something much more akin to ho a, a great hospita hospitality cafe. Sure. Yep. We were voted by the locals, which is very important to me, as the best independent cafe. So no chain, no yep. Costa Coffee and all that. It's all homemade uh, and it's staffed by locals. The food is sure. made in Croydon. Everything goes back well, to the local economy, which I'm very... I must admit, Dan worked his way through the menu <laughs> while, while we were there. They Dan. were really nice people. Yeah. I felt like I, I needed I to. I had to buy more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he, made, um, he, he did. He said, I'm starting at the top and I'm going to work my way right to the bottom. And <laughs> you, you liked did. the energy balls there, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. You can't beat an energy ball, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Moving so, swiftly on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go back on course. Yeah. <laughs> so the first part is a cafe where I'm very keen to bring innovative and intelligent tech companies to test their in innovation very quickly. You know, the, we're now in the era where you have very fast track processes to yep. get user inputs, change things as you build, instead of building a mammoth piece of software or a platform. And, and then a big it. unbox and a big reveal. And it's an iteration. Like, oh, actually, iteration. nobody wants it, or oh. it's not working like what the customers actually want to, yep. to do with it. Yep. So now very fast iteration is critical. To do that, you need a space with a lot of real, normal customers, not a bunch of techies testing each other's code. So, and we yeah. have a cafe to do that. And upstairs, we have about 16,000 square feet of uh, small, medium, and large spaces specifically dedicated and built for tech companies. It sounds, it sounds kind of strange to say that, but most hubs that you'll find today, especially north of the river, are actually businesses run by property people sure. so what they care about is filling in and squeezing in as many tenants as possible you're going to find half width uh, tables and very small chairs all you know tiny little details which put at scale makes for a huge difference i mean what money. struck me when we went there and it was just last week i think dan wasn't it, was, it? Yeah. yeah it was the actual space it was it is a lovely space it's been 
very creatively put together and there's enough space to be creative, I suppose. Mm. It's got that design about it, that feel about it. Oh, thank which you. Is I'm, great. I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you... Yeah, that no, it was really... A lot, of, a lot of people notice that once we have... We're the only ones to have fresh air. You have your own window. Every table, every office has that. Yeah. Sounds, you know, stupid, but it's actually critical. If you if you spend 10 hours a day somewhere, being in air con for 10 hours is just bad for you. Yep. you know, we know that. I don't yep. have to explain. And two, we have a huge amount of space. We're the most spacious hub in the UK. And again, you need space to think. You need space to have a little... You know, nook and crannies to sit in, sure. and non-technical, non-office environments to have chats with people. They can be suppliers, they can be friends, they can be your employees. And I think by creating this, you get a place where it's all about performance. So, so how hard was it? Because I know it's within a... I think it is within the council building, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Mm. So how hard was it to secure that space as a, as a tech hub? What did you have to go so through? So I was actually student? dragged into this project. Really? <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't apply, I didn't choose You that. didn't put your hand up or anything? <laughs> no, I was dragged into this by uh, a friend. Sarah Luxford is the founder of a pressure group called the Croydon Tech City. It's got nothing to do with the real UK tech city, but it's been a fantastic group. They're all, <coughs> they're all from Croydon, all yep. three of them. And for years, they have been the great, greatest defender of the technologist or the tech startup. And they've been asking the council for many years, why don't we have a tech hub? We have everything we need. We have the talent. We have the people. Everybody today has to take the train and go to central London. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's wrong. Yeah. And uh, the council has, you know, has really changed. and has become an amazing council and got some money from, from the central government and made available a really old building from 1963 with all, you can imagine, buildings from the 1960s and then asked for a technical partner to come in and refit it and yep. then run it for, for about 10 years. I was dragged by Sarah to kind of apply to this, reluctantly, I might add, and which is the, you know, the funny thing. But then they realized that what I was bringing was a network of technologists and investors in technology, and I've had in the past a, a, a very successful multi-country accelerator, building businesses, financing them, staffing them, and then selling them, yeah. which is really what Croydon and the whole tech thing is about. It's not about being cool. It's not about being the next hipster uh, hangout is about showing that through technology and with a little bit of smarts, very little amount of money, you can get talented young kids to build businesses and collaborate and then work with very large companies. Large companies today have got a, you know, a rather large dislike for the East End and the overvalued businesses that don't yeah. make yet any revenues and claim to be the next big thing. And they, love, and they have a, a, a dire need of innovation. If, if you don't innovate, your large company is, is at risk of being Uberized, as we say. Because what struck me was the fact that you had startups, you had one-year and two-year-old companies in there as well, and they did seem to be almost feeding off each other's experience. Mm. Does that happen? Yes, it does. We're very proud of the fact, and that's also the, the, the motive number one for accepting technology companies only, is that we quote-unquote, force them to our gorgeous breakfast that we throw every second Friday where people can introduce themselves. Don't invite themselves. Dan because there'll be no <laughs> breakfast left. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'll move on, Dan. I won't, it's not going to go on all show, don't is worry. It? No, okay. no, 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 It is an amazing breakfast, Dan. Is I, it? I promise you it's amazing. We probably need a morning meeting there, don't we? We probably do. Yeah. I think we should, yeah. So everybody comes in, there's no pitching, but instead of pitching... We're all from the technology industry and digital industries, and therefore the, the newcomers explain who they are, what they're working on, and what help they need. So it's a help-driven, 
introduction breakfast, which is That's sounds brilliant. obvious, but it's yeah. amazing how many people will raise their hand and say, I know somebody at IBM, I can plug you in. Or I know somebody who's had this technical problem with developers. Let me talk to, you know, let me introduce to my developer. And by doing this, you create a true community of tech sure. to tech, sales to sales, which we're you know, quite proud of. And it must be this, um, this sort of spirit of the cooperation between these different companies that really sort of is that the, what, the reason why um, companies look to move into a tech hub, just for that cooperation, or are there other reasons? So you'll see uh, in most places, again, mostly around central London, there's a huge amount of tech spaces, or mm. spaces, they're not really tech anymore, where you can set up your office in. And I believe that it's, unless there is a community and true help and added value, you, it's just a desk, and therefore price will be everything. Yeah. We happen to be on the expensive side of the price range. We're still half price central London, so it's extremely you know, amazing value for a company that's growing that wants to wash yeah. the pennies. But what they get is not a desk. What they get is an army and a, an, an army of friends helping out. And that they can't buy in a WeWork, not to name anybody, but a WeWork or a very glam uh, office yeah. that's claiming to be a community, but mm. where you have you know hairdressers and florists and yeah, all types of businesses. Mm. Yeah, I agree um, with you. Um, well, anyway, that's my pitch. Anyway, no, 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 no. <laughs> and we're going to talk some more about advice you'd give to startups if they are thinking about going to a tech hub. We'll come back to that in a minute. But let's hear from a couple of your uh, couple of the people that are actually based at your centre. So I'm joined by Ben and James, and Ben and James uh, have a an app which is called Scrummy Club, which is a, a loyalty app. How important are loyalty schemes to retailers? Uh, hugely important. Um, uh, loyalty in itself can, uh, well, a decent loyalty scheme that's um, implemented in the right way can improve uh, business um, by over 30% that we've seen from a number of different um, research, uh, a lot of research from the likes of kind of Deloitte and Accenture that will, will tell you that this is um, why big business and, uh, are so enthusiastic about loyalty and why they're implementing loyalty schemes. So we know it's hugely important for big businesses and for all businesses and it's just that typically bigger businesses focus on it in a, a kind of better way um, than smaller businesses currently. I mean one thing that really winds me up actually is having those horrible cards that I get stamped and I might click six and get a free cup of coffee. Yeah. That's so rigid. How does your app help retailers? So um, part of the way we do it, I mean the mechanism is still the same, it's still a buy X gets one free or one half price. The way we help is um, the consumer, the customer, you guys basically don't have to walk around with a dozen of these cards on you, one for every single business that you, 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 you shop at. So Scrummy provides a single platform that allows you and all the favourite businesses that you go to where you live and where you work all to list in, in one single location. No, that's, I mean it's a fantastic, how did you come about the idea? Well, it was um, just a, a kind of problem that, that we recognised ourselves going into numerous different coffee shops and sandwich shops, florists, hairdressers and what have you, and um, having a wallet chock-a-block full, uh, chock full of paper loyalty cards that um, we found was really frustrating because we didn't end up getting the rewards that we were due because we were constantly forgetting or losing those cards. So it was a problem that we recognised ourselves and when we spoke to lots of our friends and family we realised that <laughs> they too had the problem. And so you've set it up so that it um, can work for florists and coffee shops, as you said. Um, was there any problem making it, making the application broad enough for use for lots of different um, sort of like types of shop, or was it fairly straightforward? No, I think for the, for the most part, the businesses that tend to do it tend to be the more um, 
they, they seem to be familiar with that mechanism of, of rewarding regular business. So it's, it doesn't tend to be the, the big purchases. It tends to be the frequent purchases, relatively low value. So I, I think most of these businesses that we appeal to immediately are the ones that already have these paper schemes in place. So how hard was it to develop the funding stream for you out of your, uh, your app invention and creation? How does the actual funding stream work for you? The revenue model from uh, from the merchants. So the merchants will pay a monthly subscription fee. Um, that is uh, a, a, an affordable price, and it's very comparable to running a paper loyalty scheme. So even getting paper cards printed up, obviously there's a cost involved. Um, the monthly subscription that we have is a, a kind of similar cost to that. So it's an improvement on paper loyalty for a number of different reasons at the same price or cheaper. But also, it's a lot simpler for them to run, I assume. You know, you haven't got to, you know, reprint, hand out. Yeah, absolutely. So once they're, they're set up, it's um, zero hassle for the merchant. Um, they will get analytics. And they've got access to a merchant dashboard that will tell them how many points they're issuing, when their busy days are, so on and so forth. So they have a, a lot of um, uh, added benefit from um, from uh, compared to paper loyalty, but it's way easier to set up. I think one of the key points that Ben's making there is, is the ability to, to actually monitor your return on investment. With a paper loyalty scheme, you just buy a stack of cards and when they're gone, you know you need to fill some up. You don't know how many people are actually on your scheme. You don't know how many points you've got out there. You don't know when you're going to have to redeem them. And you, doing this in a digital way on a mobile platform allows you to, well, through Scrummy specifically, allows you to track exactly where you are at any given moment with your, your loyalty scheme. So the advantages are not only repeat custom uh keeping your customers in terms of as you know the clues in the name loyalty but it's also about having better uh, information about your customers their purchasing patterns and everything else yeah and it's about engaging with them when they're outside of the shop so you know there's a, a number of these small businesses that pride themselves on building rapport and building a great relationship with their customers um, we're there to facilitate that and help that and help them reach out to their customers when they're not actually in the shop and assist with that whole uh, loyalty aspect that's so important to to businesses of all types so what's the most uh, strange loyalty scheme you've ever been involved with of what sort of sector do, could you think of the tattoo parlor maybe Really? Yeah. Which well, get two, get one free. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, whether you like tattoo on, tattoos or not, I mean, uh, it's it's it, for us it seemed an unusual business. But they came to us and asked, you know, they wanted a, a scheme where it was buy five get money off on the on the sixth one, and it just seemed a very unusual. That is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, how many? How regularly do you go and get a tattoo? I don't know. No. Each to their own. <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's uh, t- certainly not a, t- a typical scrummy business. Sure. But yeah. No, no, by any means. So, yeah. No, that's great. Um, so people, obviously, uh, you've got lots of retailers. You've, you, you're, you're growing all the time. What's been the hardest bit about setting up the business? Getting merchants on board and getting um, getting out to speak to the relevant businesses. So we're there first and foremost for independent businesses. Um, independent business owners are notoriously short on time, so it's difficult to get in front of them and um, 
get them to, to, to improve, increase the awareness of um, of Scrummy. So that's that's an initial challenge, but we've um, we've managed to overcome that by having numerous brand ambassadors out there working for us and speaking to businesses. Um, and because the product is incredibly simple to explain, we have a, a fairly short cycle, uh, a short, fairly short sales cycle. I think one thing that's quite important to add, or that we're finding, uh, it's, it's early days for us on, on this particular avenue, but we're, we're actually getting recommendations from other, from people, from the customers. So they're saying, we've, you know, I love this cafe in my area. Can you give them a call? Tell them about Scrummy because I'm sick of having the, you know, the paper cards. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting growth route for us. I mean, it sounds like a great idea, the idea, guys, and uh, I, I was really impressed by the website as well, which is really great. So uh, it's scrummyloyalty.com if people want more information. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Or download the app, which is Scrummy Rewards. Great. Thank you so much, Ben, James, for joining us. And uh, I, I wish you all the best of luck with uh, things going forward. Thank, Thank you. So, Steve and I are joined with um, Fifi, Nick and Jamie from Hula. Um, perhaps you guys can tell us a bit about Hula and, and how you came to um, develop it. So, um, we're a travel concierge service. So, um, we plan, research and book um, all aspects of travel for our clients uh, who are usually on holidays, uh, long weekends, honeymoons, things like that. But also we have a business side too. So, um, we're developing that at the moment. So, we'll take on... Uh, and business clients and handle business travel too. And so, how does it work? So, so, so you know, people, you know, do they do they phone you? Do they use an app or what? So, at the moment, you go on to hula.com and you just tell us what you want from your trip. So, you could just say, "I want to go to Greece for four nights. I want to stay by the beach." Um, then we go away and we take what you've told us. You can chat to us on the the left hand side of our website, and we build the trip in the background and then we show everything to you live um, with all the elements of the trip that you can want and then you can book everything by clicking on those options all in one place fantastic okay and i understand that you you try and um, maintain sort of like you know it to be um, relatively sort of cost effective or, or cheapest how, how do you go about finding the cheapest deals or is that just insider knowledge uh, so we, we find the cheapest deals by knowing what websites or what websites are better for certain areas or um, geographical areas. We also search a lot of different suppliers and we have the ability to do that, which, say for example, a normal traveller wouldn't have the time to do that themselves, so we do that. Um, we then provide them with the cheapest option for the hotel and that's just because we have a network of suppliers. So we search everything. We're not um, tied to one supplier or one API in particular and that's kind of the, the benefit of using Hula. Steve? So is cost the main issue that people are looking for or are there other things that guide their choices? So um, it's, not, it's not necessarily cost. Quite often, most people in less budget isn't a problem at all. Cost obviously comes into play. Um, but quite often what we find is um, clients come to us because it's perhaps slightly complex or it's, a, it's a maybe a once-in-a-lifetime trip. So I mentioned honeymoons earlier. Um, we, we tend to find that our value add is is most apparent when it's a trip that's not just a routine, you know, like, a, like a long weekend or something in Europe. It's something that takes a lot of thought where people are maybe wanting more expertise uh, or are happy to um, you know, hand a lot of the decision-making process to, to someone else. So you must know or see what trend, what's trending and what's coming forward every time. So what areas are you seeing more and more um, inquiries about? Where would you say is up and coming? At the moment, we've had a lot of requests for Southeast Asia. So we've had a lot in Malaysia and Indonesia, 
Um, when we get honeymoons, most of them have been Mauritius, which has been quite nice. Mauritius and the Maldives. Um, a lot of people also want Thailand for their honeymoon as well. Um, so that's quite interesting. Our US customers tend to want Mexico for their honeymoon, um, which I think is quite standard. Uh, so those are the kind of trends at the moment. We've done a lot of Southeast Asia, which is really nice. So we're getting to know that area ourselves. Um, Bali, Singapore, places like that. So, yeah. And so working with um, so people, you know, booking holidays for couples, so there must be some quite challenging situations where, you know, one wants a beach and the other wants like an urban sort of holiday. What's some of the more difficult sort of uh, uh, sort of issues you've had to resolve we've had we've had quite funny um instances where one half of the the pair has has settled on something and been really happy um and then they've obviously gone away and talked to their their better half who's disagreed <laughs> and then you know they come back come back the next day and and plans change yeah. so you know that's that's also we're, we're very flexible and, and completely get that obviously uh, people are um you know, have different opinions of what they want so we're, we're very accommodating in that in that respect um, most of our honeymoon couples that we have, it's usually the, the bride-to-be, because um, we've had uh, couples yeah. where there is a bride. Um, they're the ones who kind of manage the, the honeymoon and the planning and things like that and the decision-making, which has been quite interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. We're going here and that's, and that's <laughs> it. So, um, you, obviously, you know, you've, you've been a um, your startup, you're, you know, you're working in this great space here at Tomorrow. Um, what do you think has been the hardest aspect of, of, of getting the co- um, company off the ground? Uh, so I, I think so. We started off um, last year with a, a simple search engine uh, called Yonder, and it, it, we didn't it didn't really solve many issues. And travel once you searching for travel is 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 okay, but anything past that, like the booking, kind of knowing where to go, like what what you need for a trip, is not very fun at all. So we kind of came together and created Hula, which kind of gives you a, a complete package for everything. You don't have to go to 60 different websites to do research and stuff. You just tell us and we'll do that for you. Um, as for the, the hardest part, um, I'm not too sure. Uh, there's uh, everything, I suppose, I'd want to say. Like it's, 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 Everything happens at once. Yeah. Just, I mean, so, so we launched in January 2017 and we had a MVP and it was email... PDFs, WordPress, because Nick, um, our CTO, was building the product in the background. So we were having to deal with, you know, complicated honeymoons, but using a very manual process when our product wasn't ready. And that was incredibly hard because we were learning and we had to learn very quickly. And people strips is incredibly important. You know, they spend thousands of pounds on it. Um, so that was quite difficult. But thankfully, we have our product now and everything's a lot smoother. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting thing. Yeah. So we do talk to um, on the radio show. We do talk to a lot of people and startups, or people looking to um, to um, start a new company. So, what bit of advice after going through that sort of painful period? What bit of advice do you think you can give people looking to start a new company? Um, get what, whatever you're thinking about. Just get get it out there as quick as possible in whatever form it takes. So, um, like Fifi just mentioned, we've been working on our our proper platform for the best part of three, almost four months. But in that time, we've uh, been able to grow using kind of whatever bootstrapping technique we've we found so just literally piecing together things like uh yeah pdfs basic stuff but something that we could prove to you know others um i mean yeah anyone who's interested we can prove that our our concept is 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 wanted so that would be my advice would just be um if you've got like an idea or 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 whatever if it's not fully formed or if it's going to change like we come we've come full circle um just try try and get whatever it is in, in whatever shape 
um, out there as quick as you can. Yeah. yeah so I, I've got a very typical developer mindset, and I, I want to wait until it's absolutely perfect before <laughs> pushing it out into the world. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's actually more useful having real users use it because they will break it in ways that you didn't think about, and you, you get to see that. Um, so, yeah, as Jamie said, just, just push out when you feel slightly comfortable, even though it's slightly uncomfortable, but just get it out there and, yeah, see what comes from it and start from there. That's fantastic. So where can people find out more about Hula? Uh, Hula.com, and that's spelled H-U-L-A-H. Great. Thank you all for joining us. Um, good, um, all the best in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to talk to them, Dan, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah it was really good. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you, why Croydon? What made you think that you wanted to set up there? Um, I just did some research and the data that I found was amazing. I expected Croydon to be uh, not a city where you have educated people, technologists and amazing um, access to the centre of London and and the powers to be. So I did some research and basically I realised there's 33 million train journeys excluding Gatwick traffic. Really? Um, 33 million into central London. Into central London. Yeah. It, it's amazing. Um, you have now over a, a million uh, educated working people. So think of lawyers, accountants, technologists, IT managers, all of them, again, working for a central London company. They have all the education, the skills, and they commute. And that commute is not exactly pleasant, remember? Mm, yeah. Commuting mm. through South London every day, day in, day out, is not a, an, exa- an exciting trip. So it, w- it would be a little bit like saying, well, there's the, the same educated, hardworking, middle-class population that works and feeds the tech industry, the, the law firms, and those roughly the size of Birmingham, and there's no tech hub where they can create their own company. Yep. That would be impossible to believe. So yeah. I doubled and triple-checked and got some numbers from the council, and all of that proved to be right. It's actually, I believe, one of the only large cities in the UK that doesn't have its own technology focus hub so that all these great people have somewhere to go but it does now now it does (laughs) (laughs) well I'm really pleased you're with us because it's now time for this so uh, it's unboxing time Francois and we have our normal tech talk unboxing box which Dan is diving into I've been handed Um, the box hang on first before we do that join us we're on Periscope live Harry's here producer Dan is here it's at tech talk show UK on Twitter and uh, tune in and see what's going so we have got oh it looks rather nice packaging yeah it's a nice sleek sleek white box Nice sleep white box. Yeah. Um, it has um, the Apple insignia and it says watch on it. I wonder what it is. I wonder. It looks so Apple. The packaging is unbelievable. Francois, yeah? Yeah. It's sure. recognisable immediately. It's being Do silent. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait. Do we know anyone with an iPhone? Oh, I really don't know, Dan. <laughs> Do we know someone with an iPhone 7? Then <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the blo- When I said I got an iPhone 7 to the bloke tomorrow, he said... Yeah, but the 8's coming out in a few months' time. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> and the Samsung 8, may I say, Samsung 8 beats it. Does it really? Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So inside the box so, uh, um, is, is a nice sort of um, plastic case that's a bit like a pencil case with the watch in. Okay. Um, and then also in the box, um, in Apple's usual sort of made sort of... Uh, cardboard, um, cardboard type yeah, section. Is, is a folding plug. Um, and what looks like a charging cable. Okay, yeah, looks really good. Would like to have a look at that. That's yeah, I might okay. do. 
So let's just, I'll look at the label on the box while you faff okay. around with what you're doing. Okay, so we have the iWatch now. So it's the 42mm uh, case I, iWatch Sport, woven nylon black. Yep, so, so it's got a nylon. Space grey stainless steel buckle. Yep, so it's got... There we that. go. Is that yeah. all right? Yeah, that's that's great. Thank Sorry, you. Sorry, was I interrupting you, Dan? <laughs> no, no, I thought you were you just... You were on full flow, though, weren't you? <laughs> so, Carry so, on. So the, <laughs> okay, so we've got a watch, um, full screen, um, uh, uh, full screen um, over the face. Um, it's got one little dial on the side, and it's like a button, and it's um, um, got a nylon strap, and it looks like... Hold it up. Oh, yeah, hold it up. And, and on the back, there's some LEDs, which make me think that it's um, got a heart rate monitor or something like that. Ooh. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So I've got an option of languages. Um, the only one I understand is um, is English. So I'll go with that. I think you should put it on French. Estonian. Well, no, it's quite nice. Estonian. Yeah. Okay. No, they're they're all um, Asian languages. I didn't understand the writing. All oh, right. Okay. Right. Go on then. Okay. English. So um, so okay. So now I'm choosing reason, which is um, United Kingdom. I'm using the touch screen to select. Okay. Everything here. Setting language. Right. Okay. Setup seems quite straightforward so far. We don't, um, while it's doing that, don't want to have a like have yeah, a yeah. Pass it around. So how, Francois? How heavy is it? Light. It's actually very light. The nylon strap is really, really nice. Yeah, it's nicer than it actually looks. It, it's not harsh, metallic. As you might think, it might be a bit stiff. Yeah, it's actually very soft. And I think there's a coating on the inside, so it might it, it looks really, really comfortable. Yeah, fantastic. Very, very, very yeah, very looks nice. good. No. Danny's not allowed to touch it. He can't, he's not going to be trusted. Well, it's super kind of you. Thank you, guys. So. Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's come out of Harry's own budget. Now, you know that. Yeah. I have to add, it might be the only time you're going to catch me on Periscope with a with an Apple product. A lot of people are going to laugh because I'm a massive uh, Samsung and Android fan. Okay. But yep. it is Somebody's got to product. be. Yeah. 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 I have to, I have to <laughs> give to them the design. Yeah, thank amazing. you. <laughs> okay. Right. So, okay, what's next? So. Okay, so it's now, there's some sort of uh, uh, image going on in the front. Um, I don't know if that's to show us that it's doing something or, or what. Uh, okay, Let's use this. Okay, so okay, now it's done. Okay, select this name. Okay, done. So it must be simple if you've been able to set it up, Dan. Yeah. yeah, now it's asking to um, start pairing with an eye. Um, oh, 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 he's already got oh. one there. Oh, Danny's waiting. Producer Danny's got his okay, phone. Okay, so shall I press start pairing? Oh, you're not. You don't want to talk to me anymore. You just it tells you through on the phone there. Okay, okay, start pairing. So uh, Dan's got the watch. He's got producer Danny's phone, and he's actually going to try and pair the device. Oh, and then we're going to make Francois wear it again. So he's got another Apple product on him, or an Apple product, and we might even get him to operate the phone. Do you have showers here? Uh, we could. <laughs> yeah, we can wash you down in the in the car park later if okay, you wish. Okay. So I'm I'm using the um, camera of the iPhone. Um, okay. To show, um, showing it to the iWatch, and there it's using that to pair it, which is, is that quite clever. Is there a code on the back, or is there? No, no, it's no, just showing just a show... countdown to. Um... Is it really? Yeah. Tell us what you're saying, Dan. Come Nothing on. now. No, now it's now it looks like we've got the Apple insignia. Looks like it's booting up. So it's paired. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is turning into not such a great radio feature. Yeah, well, there's a lot oh, of setup, isn't there? There is, yeah. I wish someone had set it up first. Yeah, <laughs> just walked in with it, maybe. <laughs> oh, oh, dang. Oh, Especially when you're operating it, mate. Can, it can I can't take make a it while. go any faster. No, it's still got the Apple insignia yeah. up on the screen. I'm of the watch. this massively. Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> a, yeah. So... No, they're, they're beautiful products. I have to give mm, them. They do always look good, don't they? I kind of gave up on them when the first time I bought an iPad... 
for my wife. Yeah. I was told I couldn't charge, just charge it so it's ready for her when she opens it mm-hmm. until I had put my credit card in it. Really? Obviously it was not for me, yeah. Because to charge it, you need right a USB chance. cable. Yeah. USB cable goes to a PC. PC forces you to install iTunes yeah. and QuickTime and whatever yeah, else, yeah. which I have no use for. <coughs> and then once you have that, it's, ah, you need a credit card to open the account. And there was no way of doing it without a, a credit card. And I realized, oh, okay. Oh, they I are absolute why they have masters of squeezing. A billion credit cards on yeah. Apple's. And, you know, I don't. They are masters of squeezing every ounce of money out of you in every possible way. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. That's why they're the number one company. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. But the watch has not been that successful, really, I don't think. Do you? I think it's a first generation. You're going to see the Mm. more Mm. health features and monitoring features they include in it, the more valuable it's going to become. I think as an object, it's still going to be trumped by most Swiss makers and really funky um, fashion brands. So I don't think they're going to beat, they're going to win this. They're desperate to become a fashion brand, but Apple mm. is not a tech company. It's not. It's, it's an not expensive. A brand, so they, they want to be a fashion brand. It's and not. they're doing a very good job at it, I think. But I think by, by adding more features that actually monitor heart rate, glucose, uh, sp- specific alerts, or sharing things with your friends and family, your health, your running, your jogging, then it becomes an indispensable tool. So next few versions, I think, will be incredible. But why wouldn't you just have a Fitbit? Because most people are going to want to have five products. And you know, yeah. it's nice to have a Fitbit and then a watch and then a digital and oh. then your mobile. And then suddenly you, know, you, you carry yeah. a whole bunch of electronics. My biggest gripe with all this is that you need to all of them charge them at night. Yeah. Apple has got a tr- disaster record of mm. battery life. It's just yeah, you know, it is pretty awful. I just think the watch is in... Uh, does it say the life on it? Um, I, I can't look at the moment because it's still doing another sync. Where I'm having I to think, hold the mate, it's going to go in the bin yeah. in a second, to be quite honest. So yes, if you can't... Yeah, they say it's got an eighteen hours. Uh, Is it really? It. Yeah. Okay. So I'm to be quite Dan, I've lost interest. <laughs> it's been too long. Yeah, it has been a while. It's been it? too long, and I've really have lost interest in that. So um, I think we should look at how much. Yeah, should we have a guess? Yeah, go on then. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna say um, three hundred pounds. Francois, I would say two four nine. Two four nine. You know, Danny, don't you? Yeah. I'm going to say it's going to be, yeah, it'd be 295 or 299. So, Danny, how much is it? Mm. So, this version obviously has Facebook notifications on it, has Twitter, Instagram. Like you mentioned, it's got the GPS and it's got the heart monitor and everything else. They are starting to up the game on it. Um, this one is the 299 version, so £299 spot on. Getting. Wow. So some really oh, good hey, guesses there. look hey. at that. First time I've ever won that. Yeah, yeah. Great. So would you really <laughs> pay £300 to monitor your heart rate and a couple of other things when you can get something far cheaper to do that? So, the, I mean, I'm not sure I'd go... I wouldn't personally go with the iPhone. I do like smartwatches, and there are a number of uh, multi-sport watches things like that that are shall we show is it yeah. Sunto? Yeah, no, yeah, Sunto, yeah, yeah. Sport watch, but it's also got smartwatch functions. But yeah, um, um, the new version of of, of um, Android Wear, which is Android Two, it's coming out. Also has um, Android Pay, which is similar to the to the iWatch um, Two. But w- using the Android base, you've got more more mix of um, of different manufacturers making different options. So there's a bit more choice. Um, There's a technology company as well that's now coming with a backplate that can fit any normal watch. So you have all the benefits of a you know, traditional, sure. engineered, beautiful watch yeah. in front of you. And then at the back, you have sensors, yeah. motion detection, and, and a whole bunch of connectivity. Mm. And Harry. I think it could be a, a good way of 
upgrading watches as we go forward. Harry, hold it up. Top man. That is not something I'd want on my wrist. It is not a classic Swiss-engineered watch that have been appealing for decades. I'm sorry, it's just not doesn't do it for me at all. I um, think it's the reason number one why they're not really selling, you know, like hotcakes. Yeah, there still is a form factor. There needs to be a battery in it. Yeah, as soon as you say GPS and connectivity and Bluetooth, battery will become critical. Yeah, yep. and a lot of people are not ready to have a lower quality design that needs to be recharged. Otherwise, you don't have the time. You don't have your Facebook and you don't have your messages. Yeah, so I do believe there's a little bit of technology work to be done. I agree. It's, it's a good idea. That, I mean, saying that, you know, it's still a very profitable business because that watch does not cost anywhere near 295. Hmm. No, no, I should think it's probably a tenth of that. Do you reckon? Yeah. yeah. So there's only one thing left to do, Dan. Yeah. Are we going to keep it, i.e. Does it rock? Or are we going to put it back in that box? Mm. Um, well, for me, um, uh, it's back in the box. Yeah, yeah. I, I like smart watches, but I'm not into that one. I probably don't need to ask you this, but go on. I love watches, and it's back in the box. Yep. Danny? I'm going to go at rocks. I think it needs a little bit more development on it, but I think with the, as a fitness watch and notifications for emails coming through and things like that, you don't always have your phone on you. I think, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely legs, legs in it to, uh, yeah, it rocks. Uh, back in the box without any hesitation. So that's it. Mm, um, that's interesting. Great. Yeah, it is interesting, actually. I'd have, as soon as I saw the packaging, I thought, yeah. oh, yeah, it's definitely going to rock. Mm. And it doesn't. Yeah. So <laughs> Anyway, we are going to go to another pre-record with a couple more uh, companies that are based at tomorrow. And then we'll finish off with a chat with Francois at the end around how you see things going and advice for people who may be thinking of going into a tech hub themselves. So let's hear from a couple of other people there now. So I'm now joined by Brad Matthews. And Brad is from Aliapp. Now, uh, Aliapp is about trying to identify causes of allergies, isn't it? Yes. Um, at Aliapp, what we try and do is we try and help people pinpoint the allergic trigger. So um, allergies can be very complex for doctors and clinicians to actually diagnose, one, whether it is an allergy, but also what's triggering the allergy, isn't it? Yeah, I think in terms of finding out what is an allergy, there's, there's a lot of confusion. There's no test to diagnose an allergy. So you need to be seeing an allergy specialist, and you, that allergy specialist also needs to view your history. So he needs to know, you know, what, what, was your, what were your symptoms like, what were you eating, what, could, what were the delays, and it's different for everyone, you know. So it is, it, we try and make that easier. Now, allergies can be anything from a skin rash to itching to a, an allergic reaction, can't they? They can be either very minor or severe. Yeah, so allergies is really a continuum. So at the, at the one end, they could be life-threatening. When you have anaphylaxis, you could end up in A&E. Um, and, and that's really serious. That's, and why we take a lot of things in our company very seriously. And why we want to work with clinicians to help solve this problem. Um, but there could be something a lot minor where you, you, your immune system flares up and you, like you say, you have a rash and you have an itch, but you don't know what's caused it. So um, obviously uh, it, it does seem to be a growing area that more and more people have allergies, whether it's food or, or dust or anything related. That, that seems to be far more common. 
Yeah, well, some of the stats are saying, you know, one in two people, especially one in two Brits, will have, have an allergic disease. Um, it, it's not always food, like you said. It could be something in, in the air, airborne. It could be something you're touching. Um, and it's, it's really different because every, it, yeah, difficult because everyone's different. Um, we react differently. We, have, we live in different environments. So this is really what we're trying to help, help solve. So what drove you to use technology to record it? What, what was the trigger around that? The trigger, I had an allergic reaction, really? <laughs> allergic, re- allergic reaction, a moment in my life. Um, so my mom almost passed away from double pneumonia, which is actually related to allergies. Um, at that time, I didn't know. I just was taking care of her, and I was giving, giving her antibiotics and pills. And I took a step back, and I thought, surely there's a, the diet's also important. Surely there's something else in the environment that, that's causing this. You know? And, and that, that drove me into sort of seeing how, how technology could help. Because a, a doctor might say to somebody, right, we'll keep a food diary or keep a diary. That, that, but that can be so time-consuming and quite hard to do. So, you know, I suppose the, the, the natural step was to look at how technology could support the recording. Yeah, especially, you know, a lot of people are very busy these days. So to have a pen and paper and record everything and to record all the ingredients on your food, it becomes not only a problem for the parents, you know, these busy parents, but also the busy doctors. So technology can really help with that. So even, for example, we can take uh, pictures of uh, meals and pictures of symptoms, which doctors can zoom into, which um, is is already a real jump forward in terms of providing evidence in the the, uh, consultation with your clinician. And and that can itself just lead to better referrals. So... um so how would it work? It, it, would it be down to the individual to use the app or are doctors becoming aware of it? Well, right now you can actually download the app for free. We worked with the NHS. We did a clinical trial and we said we want to make the app free free to download and, and the diary free to use. So you could go to www.alliapp.com, aliapp.com. You could download the Android app or iOS app. Um, and then you just click the plus and add a symptom, or click the click the plus and add add a meal, and it will just record automatically record the date and time for you, and you can go show that to your your, your health visitor, your school nurse, your doctor, your GP, and at least you have evidence to get the the right referral. So, um, how long has your business been going? How long have you been? So we've been working with the with the clinicals. We're working with a wonderful doctor in the NHS from about two years ago. Uh, we started doing a clinical trial over there. So for two years now. Feels like it feels a lot longer than that, <laughs> and, and it must be really hard because there are many thousands of GPs and and doctors out there. How hard has it been to actually get the message out within the NHS and to to, to clinicians? Well, it's been really hard in to work with. You know, the, the NHS makes the decisions a lot slower than startups, understandably, for patient safety. But we've had a real great support from amazing, an amazing doctor and his trust and worked with other trusts to to get this technology out there and to train nurses um it's really exciting now because we just want to reach out to to more doctors nurses gps and let them know that this is available i think what we did do right is focused on getting it right with this trust as opposed to just trying to spread out really really limited resources with with a lot of um, clinicians but now i assume has that been the hardest thing actually get the message out there or has it been building the technology that sits behind it well, that's a great question. I mean, what has been the hardest thing? Um, I don't... Everything's hard in a, in a startup. Everything's hard in a startup. Um, I think we just surround ourselves with people that genuinely care, and I think that's made it a lot easier. But um, in terms of 
creating te uh, technology that is really secure, that pa patients can feel and clinicians can feel that they trust. That's be that's been challenging, but we've f done the right thing and we focused on that. Um, so and does, on, on the technological side, does that mean the doctor can actually interrogate the, your app before he sees the, the patient as well? So we've been invited to integrate into clinical systems, and we've actually said no because we haven't got the resources yet to be able to in, uh, ensure that uh, security. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with the right resources as we grow, that's something that we definitely have the capability to do and we want to do, and there's a need for that. No, it sounds like a great, great uh, technology and a great uh, invention. So I wish you all the best with the company and thank you so much. Where can we get more information about it? Um, I just email me directly. It's brad, B-R-A-D, at A-L-L-I-A-P-P dot com. And obviously you've got your website, which is aliapp.com as well. Yeah, Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Much appreciated. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, I'm with uh, James Hanlon from AO, and he's going to tell us a little bit about um, his um, payment solution app. Um, now, one of the things that I'm always getting told off about is handing in late um, expense receipts, and I believe you might have the answer to all my woes. Um, I hope so. Um, it's the simple answer. Um, we actually found that it's not actually about expense receipts. It's about the authorization of payments. Um, so there are lots of things that I actually do, and they're great apps. You know, you've got Receipt Bank, Expensify, and everyone else. But the area that we were really different in is that we found out that it's much better for the CFO and for staff if they can ask for money and get it. And that reason is actually more important than the expenses. Um, so what we managed to do is create a structured environment where you have a prepaid pot, that you put up as one whole lump of money. You can structure that down into multiple different pots of money, such as um, we have an emergency budget in our company. So any staff can go and ask me for any amount of money. I'll get them home safely. The next day, I may have words if it's wrong, but I want them to be safe. But it's also things like, a, you know, we all plan how things go in the company. I'm sure you guys do. It's like you have client accounts, you have materials budgets, you save up for funds to do something, you have let's go on out for a party, the Christmas party every year. And they are the spend is not necessarily where the auth is considered. So you can say, I want this to happen, and then someone else can do the payments. And I think that's a really interesting area. So, for example, I lost a 50 grand contract in my consultancy um, because we had to pay for the staff Christmas party. And I know it sounds really silly, but I was sitting there and I was speaking to someone and they were telling me all the stuff. And then I had a knock on the door and it was like, James, 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 it's got to go. It's like, why? I'm sort of sitting here. This is like our future wages. It's like, yeah, but, but, but you've got half an hour to pay for the stuff and that's our piss up. And I know it's a very bad thing to say, but that's actually a reality of life. Um, it's things like um, my engineers wanting to buy a laptop. It's a very personal thing if you're a coder. And you no. Know, we have a £1,500 budget. I don't want to know the 12 different options. I want to give them the responsibility, and you just do it. Um, and my honest joy of this has been listening to every company's story and the way that they structure their own lives. And it's different for everyone. For some people, it's about the looking after the apprentices. Because if they're out of pocket, I don't know if, you know, we're in a younger generation where people are poorer and poorer and poorer and 50 quid at the end of the month makes a big difference. At the same time, there are some partners in law firms that want it because they have client accounts for entertainment. And one of their pay pains is that they would like to draw it down from each partner that's there to pay for a dinner. Um, it's about the 
if you go into construction, um, the plumber being given a bit of extra cash because otherwise he's going to go off-site because the washers aren't ready. So, it's, um, so you're controlling the expense accounts you know, by employee. How actually does that work? You know, uh, how actually is that allocated? Oh, sorry. It's a button. You press, can I have money? <laughs> and then you go, yes. Or you go, no, and why? <laughs> That's it. Uh, and are they issued a card? Yeah, or a I mean, this is really basic tech. I'm not doing anything spectacular. I looked at the world, and it's like you have chip and pin, and that works everywhere around the world. And you take a master, and it's a MasterCard program, and you can go and sign that up to Amazon or anything else, and it works, just like you would use anything else. The only difference is it's got zero money or lots of money on it based upon you as an authority or as a responsible adult giving another responsible adult the choice to do what they want. Brilliant. Steve? So how did you go about determining the architecture of your uh, solution? Because obviously it's about flows of authority, money, budgets through your system. That must have been quite hard at the start to develop that. Lots of talking. I mean, there's no... I think people think there's some rocket science moment and um, there was a... There were a number of problems. There's a, far too much of a story behind to tell you in seven minutes. But um, essentially there was things like the staff budget for the Christmas party and losing money. There was things like people not being able to get from point A to point B in time. There were things like I didn't want to be pestered with materials budgets. And I have been a young entrepreneur for 12 years um, I've run my own business with cash flow. I've never had investments. Um, and it's, you know, you basically just go and sit there and go, if it's less than this, go and do. You, you don't know, I'm, I'm, not an, you know, I'm not the oracle. <laughs> I know that when you go and do this, this is worth this to me. If it's more, then I'd probably say no. And if there's a good reason to give me more, when I've decided to do that, I want the option to say no, and I want the option to give you more. And from that, you just started talking, and it's about... You realized it was about a structure of an organization, and then you realized that payment and structure aren't the same thing. So you find that you know, the spending of can be horizontal over a company or vertical. So it came down to something really simple, which was public pots and private pots, and trying to make the interface as streamlined as possible, which, I don't know if you're a UX geek, I got onto four buttons. <laughs> which is quite fun <laughs> and that's literally the most complicated part and it's about um, so I did work in medicine and I've had my own telehealth trials in Scotland and load stuff and that was a great precursor for this um, and I suppose part of it's about telemetry you know there's a telemetry about anything that you do the more telemetry you get together the simpler you can make interfaces so if I do the hard work, I can make it easy to make choices. Mm. Humans are really bad at data entry. They're really good at choice. You know, you go, do you want this pub or this pub? You go, that one, right? <laughs> do you want Chinese or Indian? Um, there are three options on a menu. Those are the successful ones. If you go to a place and you have this massive table, like I could choose... Ah! <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but if you do all the prior work and you make it a choice and you make the ability for money to go instantaneously, just like that. And if you make the receipts being able to be pictured against the credit card, and I own the credit card data because it's my credit card company. Mm. See what I mean? So I know the expenditure, and I'm just saying, there's the expenditure, can you take a receipt now? So you're reminding people in real time so they don't lose stuff. So 
and that's something you can't do if you don't have the credit card data. So this sounds um, something that our financial controller would be amazed by, and it sounds like um, it would really help her out. How can people find out a bit more about it? You go to getao.co.uk. There's a sign-up process. The unfortunate part, which no one tells you, is that um, there's a little bit of paperwork to do. It's a fraud check, and that's me being a diligent and responsible adult. Oh, sorry, it should be company. I'm not really a responsible adult, but anyway. Um, but it's important, and that's the delay. And it's something that no one really talks about. Um, if people are willing to allow a fraud check, then the, and it, the really good part is it's only on the company, and then it allows you to issue one card or a billion cards past that point. Um, so we have to do that. Then we send the cards out. Um, then we charge you five pounds a month, um, which is um, only when you use it. So it's a calendar month. And the reason why we only believe that it should be part of an OPEX budget, really. So a fiver for a CFO to get the receipts, which is actually a break-even of 25 quid on receipts to get the VAT back, is really valuable to them. And that is a powerful mechanism. So, and what it allows me to do is allow me to give everyone the option, even if they never use a card. Because I believe that you may never truly want to give that person money, but there may be a time that they need it. And that option and them not having petty cash can be the difference between them paying rent or not. And they're often the junior people. And the flip side is the CFO gets to know the total exposure where he's going to be in the green or the red at the end of the month and can stop it happening in 20 seconds. So I didn't tell you this. I also figured out how to withdraw funds and go, get it away, to stop anything. So you've got like an emergency button where you can be nice and then you can go, stop. That's brilliant. Well, James, thank you very much. And just to remind everyone, it's um, getai.co.uk. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so that was, uh, those were two more of your tenants. Um, I know you talk a lot to the people that... It, it, your tech hub is different to a lot of them, isn't it, Francois? Well, we, we like to think so, yes. And it's almost like free consultancy. You're, you're mentoring and coaching and, and supporting them as part of the package, really, aren't you? That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, we, so we, unlike the others, we're all from tech. Our management team comes from tech. Okay. Everybody has been building companies we've had some amazing startup to ipo success stories and we've had a lot of bankruptcies and failures <laughs> and complete yeah, like utter wipeouts and you know i think there's this glamorif- you know, glamorization of being a tech entrepreneur remember that 90 percent of companies fail oh, okay so i believe that the, you know, the biggest valuable most valuable lessons is other people's mistakes and what they haven't done That's so in one know. minute because we've only got <laughs> a minute left sure. what's your best piece of advice to a tech startup what would you say um, don't expect anything to be easy because every single thing you're going to try and build will be wrong and have to be redone. Yep. Focus on the quality of the team and make sure that you have a basic legal framework in place before you do anything. So have found an amazing co-founder. Make sure you have a legal prenup because you know, 90% chances is going to go wrong. You want to be sure that you can exit gracefully. Make sure you have an amazing management team that actually delivers on their promises. Everybody's got great ideas. Very few can execute them. So build an amazing team and then focus on only one thing at a time. Limited people, limited things. So do only one thing well, then move on to the next. I agree. I think that's right. Somebody gave me a great bit, a bit of advice a long, long time ago. He said, <laughs> it doesn't matter what's in the contract. It's how you get out of it that matters. And <laughs> I think well. that is really, really true. So um, it's been a great show. Thank you so much for joining us. And it was lovely to go to tomorrow uh, last week. It's a fantastic venue. 
Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for thank having you. me. Yeah, Love thank you. Again. Cheers. two o'clock.